Welcome to Roxy's Banging Podcast. I will talk about sex with you and I will go deep. Hey guys, welcome to my second podcast. Today I'm going to talk about sex work with you and I want to explain to you some what I think are fundamental truths about human psychology, men's desires and just the essence of selling sex. A very interesting topic, especially with the current debate of legalizing it and sex work having become somewhat mainstream. So before I give you some insights to my own intimate stories and what I've learned from it, let's start with the question why girls have sex for money and why men spend money on sex. You know, just to make the topic more relatable and understandable for those of you that think sex work shouldn't exist. It's actually really simple and you must not have studied economics or psychology to get it. So this is it. When there is demand, there is supply. And now let that sink in a little. I'll wait here with a smirk on my face until you realized that women do it because men want it. Because men need it. And that's it. There's no need to become emotional about, demonize or criminalize it. Women... Let's be clear about that. I'm not selling sex as a deviant or deceitful act to rob men of their money and gain control over them, even though some men seem to have that exact perception. There's actual hatred and even crime addressing sex workers specifically. And I believe it stems from men's fear their power and control could be taken away from them. You know, if we go all the way to the roots of the problem. It reminds them of an aspect within their psyche, or rather physiology, which they simply can't control, and to them, sex workers seem to take advantage of exactly that. If you're female and you're listening to this, have you ever wondered if your husband hits the strip club or secretly gets an escort when he says he's out with the boys, or while you're on vacation with your girlfriends? First of all, the answer is probably yes. <laughs> But why don't you ask yourself, why do men do it in general, rather than feeling bad jealous and drowning in self-pity. Let's be a little logical about this and try and figure out why so many men cheat and why so many men go to escorts and strippers. Men, or rather the majority of men, and a good amount of women too, but that's not what I want to talk about right now, need to exert their sexual tension or needs to more than one partner. It is, from a scientific point of view, a biological mechanism that helps reproduce and spread a man's genes more sufficiently and at a higher success rate. So it's pretty much a survival instinct. But it's also a little deeper than that. Deeper because we are evolving and our brains are more complex than those of hunters and gatherers, before the immense changes that agriculturalization brought about. Well, it seems not all of us have actually evolved, but I can confidently say the majority. How are we now? Sex with the same person gets boring quite fast. We all know that. Sex, on the other hand, can also be used to exert power over someone, especially if it's a younger or weaker person, like a woman, or just someone the man feels superior to, like a sex worker. Maybe, and I think this is very common, this is the only way to live out someone's specific sexual fantasies. 
as they are either too shy to ask their partners or want to keep them clean, as they still have this old-fashioned religious belief implemented into their thinking that kinks are somewhat sinful. Or they know, or they think they know, their partner won't be open to trying new things in the bedroom anyway. Or this is the only way to get pussy at all because the man is an old or ugly or awkward or fat fuck. Worst case, a combination of all. Or last but not least, a man just can't be asked to play the game of winning a woman over. You know what I'm talking about. Flirting, charming, buying her drinks and then possibly being rejected anyway after all that effort. I get it, it must be exhausting. And some men love the game and chase, but others don't, or they don't have the time for it, or they just need discretion so their wives don't find out. You just pay and get straight to the point. No one has to ever find out. Easy. You see, what I'm trying to say is, there actually are a lot of reasons for why men pay for sex. And they are all somewhat valid and relatable. So when women realize there is a way to make money of this uncontrollable need of men to fuck and to fuck however and whoever they want to, well, some just did. And some men, of course, did too. And pimps and hoes were born. We all know the term the world's oldest profession referring to prostitution. The reason why we believe it's so old is because its earliest records date back to 2400 before Christ. And they can be found in nearly all cultures and parts of the world. Very often not demonizing but actually respecting or even worshipping those women. Aphrodite being an example from Greek mythology or Mary Magdalene from the Bible but there's many more. And even though our society has developed vehemently in terms of human rights, equality, you know, everything, especially in the last hundred years, the negative connotation of sex work and the stigma existing around it remained. It has in fact gotten worse after its illegalization in Europe and the States beginning of the 20th century and after the outbreak of HIV in the 1980s. Many women today are fighting against the stigmata and trying to legalize sex work, but it's very difficult to openly fight for something that you're ashamed of and that is also still illegal and could get you into a whole lot of trouble. Despite the fact that very often, especially before the revolutionary changes of female emancipation, women had no other choice if they weren't provided for by a man, there are these days many women that consciously choose the path of sex work. It is also these women that I consider in this podcast, not sex trafficked or enslaved girls. That's a different topic. That's a dark side of sex and of sex work and for someone else to talk about. I wouldn't even have the capacity or ability to go near that dreadful subject. For me, for now, I am talking about women that either want to spend most of their time with something that doesn't bring money or doesn't bring money yet, or that enjoy making fast and a lot of cash. Okay. I'm sure there's also some girls out there that just aren't smart enough to do anything else than spreading their legs and screaming, yes, baby, but most often that really isn't the case. It's girls and women that just have the balls, I know it's kind of the wrong choice of words here, but you get it, and the opportunity to do it. For some, it's just a job. For others, a possibility to make a lot of money. Again, others need to support either a fancy lifestyle or kids or even their parents. 
Some are entrepreneurs and just started a business and need this extra source of income for their business to survive and to grow. I personally look at hoes as female hustlers or the female equivalent to drug dealers, mainly because both of those jobs are illegal and bring a lot of cash. Women don't make good dealers for a million good reasons. They're physically not strong and mentally not focused enough, basically too emotional, too female for that harsh and dangerous environment. And men don't make good escorts simply because women don't need sex badly enough to pay for it. That's one of our main differences. Otherwise they would, wouldn't they? And most of you would be happy male prostitutes. So many of my male friends actually told me they wish they could do that job after I told them I was escorting. But that's just not how the world is working and we all know that's for the best too. So, who are these women then that society still looks down upon? It's always been those swimming against the stream, living against the norm and having an irregular life. Witches and bitches. And it's literally witches and bitches. So living an irregular life could be anyone who goes off the path of what's expected. You know, being a good non-promiscuous girl that gets married early to then become a good wife and mother. Wifey, right? She wifey. When I hear those young kids use that term, I feel like we're going backwards in our development. But I feel like that in general when it comes to sex, looking at the younger generation. I don't know, I'm either only one that feels this way. But I look at how confident, explorative and open they are. And they just aren't. Anyway, that's not what I want to talk about right now. I want to tell you that there are women that don't want to be wifey because it's a little boring to them. But there are also a million other reasons. Some of us have, for example, been raised in a way that allows us to explore our sexuality openly and that made eventually women of us that feel less or no shame or guilt about their sexuality. Those women are very likely to explore sex with multiple partners and in different shapes and forms. And that will lead to that irregular life I'm talking about that is still being frowned upon by many, mainly the older generation, of course, our parents. And because of this old, outdated idea of the old, outdated generation that has been implemented into the brains of their children, because children are so easily manipulated and have to be raised by someone, many people today and even young people still associate deviancy with promiscuous women. Deviancy because they deviate from what's common, from what's expected, by a generation soon to be gone. And so the swear word slut is not only being used to degrade actual sex workers, but also sexually active and explorative women in general. We really need to stop using that word to humiliate women that are exploring sex and having fun doing so. Men have to learn to understand that these women are not a threat to them. But this exploration that those girls are going through will actually eventually be to their advantage. So before judging sex workers or having any negative feeling towards them, let's remember that the first women to make their own money and gain financial autonomy were prostitutes. Back then, because it was the only option to be independent from a man's income. 
It was the only work they were allowed to do. And that should be something that we respect and admire, especially the feminists among us. Well, and the non-feminists are trying to convert in the most logical way, if you haven't noticed. Should we judge the men that go to sex workers instead? Hell no, of course not. Men have always done it and always will. Let's not be foolish to deny this fact. When a man has urges, urges so strong most women can't even understand, there's nothing you can do about it. They are, after all, natural and burned into their DNA like nothing else. These days, sex work clearly isn't the only option to become financially independent. But it surely is an option, and an option that we should talk about and respect, just as any other work. Maybe even more. Because let's be honest, satisfying some of you guys and still looking sexy and pretending we're coming is fucking hard work. Literally fucking hard. And God knows, sometimes it's not just hard, but disgusting too. And for those young and attractive guys listening to this that still aren't convinced, we'll talk in 30 years from now, when your wife either looks like shit or doesn't give you any sex anymore anyway. Probably both. And all you want is to come in a hot young blonde. By the way, you'll look old and less desirable yourself, just for your information. And then I'll ask you again how much you appreciate the existence of sex work. Sugar daddies and camgirls. With very recent technological developments, sex workers don't even physically have to be with their clients anymore. Online platforms like OnlyFans or websites for camgirls are booming. And girls can make easy dollars selling photos and videos of their pussies or of their masturbating or even fucking. Escort sites like Slixer or Seeking.com give women the opportunity to create an online profile and then communicate with potential clients directly so they don't have to go through an agency anymore. Sex work pretty much was never this easy and that's why it's becoming so popular. If you're a man and have been or are using these sites, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It feels like everyone is using them, from your neighbor's daughter to your grandma. But if you're not, let me tell you that if you're living in a city, you have multiple encounters every day with girls that use those platforms that you're not even aware of, that are the modern sex worker. That is how many girls do it, but of course, no one likes to admit it. Rather than unreasonably judging sex workers as a result of old-fashioned, religious and definitely patriarchal concepts, or the fear of power if you're a man, or your husband if you're a woman, being taken away from you, let's look at sex work in an open and tolerant yet critical way. From personal experience, I can say that sex work does have an effect on the worker's mental and emotional state whether they are aware of and want to admit it or not. Your relationship with sex, well, only if you actually have sex with your clients, as opposed to non-penetrative sex, being a dominatrix, stripper, camgirl, etc., will change, and it won't change for the better. Sex will basically become a chore. Sex will become robotic and mechanical, and you will receive the energies of whoever is fucking you. Okay, we're going to go deep for a little bit now. I am convinced that this is not the case when women peg men. 
neither top nor bottom will receive energy in this case as the connecting point is not part of the penetrator's body. Penis in vagina is just a very powerful dynamic and it is one directional. Penis in ass is also quite powerful energetically speaking but only in a gay scenario with the real penis and the holy prostate involved. But even that is still not as powerful as penetrative heterosexual sex. Nothing is. Nothing in this goddamn world is. Because it's what creates life. And when I say that the dynamic is one-directional, I mean that the penis and how it's moving inside of the woman's body puts a destructive force into her. And out of this force, life is being created. Destructive. Because despite the initial break of the hymen, a penis, no matter how small or big, will cause tiny tears in the vaginal walls of the woman. Destructive also because it can cause so much harm and so much pain that probably most women are aware of, but maybe not every man is. But, and now this is probably one of the most important things I've learned so far in the short life of mine, out of destruction comes creation. It's a law of nature. And it's one of the most important lessons of Tantra and Yoga. And if you start observing the world you live in, you will soon understand what I'm talking about. My personal journey. I'll be very honest with you, as always. The reason why I decided to escort was because I, for the first time in my life, did not receive any money from my dad anymore. That's it. After spending his inheritance of 150,000 euros in less than two years, I got used to having enough money to pretty much do whatever I wanted. I traveled the world with my fox. I studied. I bought a few cars and bikes and a fire engine, supported my friends and bought a shitload of cocaine too. I have also never in my life worked a 9-to-5 job and dread the idea so much I'd pretty much do anything to keep my, you know, free, luxurious, hippie life that I got so used to and that I was blessed to have. People would always tell me that I'm only able to live this life because of my dad's support. And I would always answer, well, if I don't have the support anymore, I'll find another solution. And I did. I've been financially independent for a while now and I still do what I want. You know, never staying long in one place and fulfilling all my weird dreams. You just gotta be smart about money once you step outside the system. Maybe you have to sell your soul to the devil. But the reward is a satisfaction beyond most people's imagination. I sometimes think it's the only way for me to live. The thought of being tied down by something makes me physically sick. It is why the second I could, with only 20 years of age, I packed my small backpack, left Germany and never returned. I didn't know the consequences of selling my body. How could I? In my head, being that very sexual and open person that I am, it would come easy to me. And it did. Until it didn't. I never worked for an agency. There are numerous websites that help you find clients and give you the chance to decide who you'll meet and who not. It was a struggle at first, figuring out who's a catfish, who's respectful, and who has the right intentions. Also, which sites are the good guys on? 
I've encountered a lot of dickheads and I've seen men at their lowest and worst. But to be fair, I also thankfully did meet a few amazing men that I'm still in contact with actually. Not on a sexual nor a financial but simply a friendship basis. But the more time passed with me engaging in this kind of work, the less I liked it and the more of a chore it became. Sex has always been my happy and powerful place. Sex was one of the best things in my life. I loved doing it, thinking about it, talking about it and educating people about it in recent years. Sex work, however, turned that happy place into something very dark. And to not feel this darkness, I, especially during the last months of working in the industry, often numbed myself with alcohol and cocaine just to make it easier. I faked orgasms. I pretended to enjoy sucking their dicks. But I cringed when the taste of their pre-cum hit my taste buds. I mean, cum never tastes specifically good, but cum of a man you don't even desire in any kind of way is just horrific. But I was in warrior mode. Warrior mode because of the numbing cocaine and warrior mode because I had to, to endure it. Warrior mode means you'll do anything to survive and you turn off any negative feelings. But you actually end up turning off any feelings whatsoever. And then you're able to fight, kill, fuck, like a machine. The change. It was last September when I started seeing and developing feelings for my coke dealer. Don't laugh, don't cry either. And shit finally hit the fucking fan. It was the grand finale of my coke consumption and for the feeling of resistance I slowly had developed towards men I didn't want to fuck but had to fuck. That was because I only wanted to be intimate with one boy all of a sudden. Simple. When you're new in love, you don't want to be with anyone else. And the few times that I did felt absolutely wrong. I felt within myself that I had gotten too far. But it was actually when he broke up and I had to go through the pain and struggles of a breakup combined with the withdrawal of coke that I finally saw the darkness I had put myself in. I looked in the mirror and I cried at my devilish reflection. I didn't leave the house for days. And at the rock bottom of this massive breakdown, I stopped. I stopped with everything. Sex, cocaine, any kind of searching and wanting and any kind of numbing. And I finally broke through the self-destructive cycle. Someone told me I needed to break down to break through and it was absolutely true. It's a blessing to have realized the impact and effects sex work had on my own emotional and mental state and having been able to pull the brake when it was necessary. I also simultaneously analyzed what was wrong with my personal sex life and my life in general and understood that sex, whether it is work or not, should be done consciously. Everything, in fact, should be done consciously and please, ideally, coke-free too. I had taken a lot of drugs in my life but hadn't had any sort of addiction since I was 18 or something. I lived a yoga-focused and happy, spiritual, healthy just a fucking good life, until I had to have an abortion two and a half years ago. 
a decision that was made for me, that I from the bottom of my heart did not want. It was after this sad and painful experience that I started using sex and drugs in a rather self-destructive way. I suppose it was my way of dealing with it, my form of PTSD. And from one trauma to the next, I then had to take a complete break from sex for a few months. Because sex work, you can guess it, traumatized me quite heavily. Sex is such a powerful thing. Look at what it can do, how it changes and controls our lives. Most of us are just not aware of it. So, five months of self-reflection, isolation, not in a corona kind of way, but, you know, just not seeing anyone new and not partying anymore and no drugs anymore. And healing were needed to get over the trauma I had experienced of last year's unconscious, hedonistic roller coaster ride. To make money, I created an OnlyFans account, which pretty much helped me survive. And at first was such a delight compared to the work I did before. You know, getting tipped for photos and videos of me spreading my legs and playing with myself doesn't seem too bad a job. But that, after some time of becoming really grounded and centered, also didn't feel right anymore. It still felt like the men that demanded specific images and videos had some form of power over me. It was in fact after I slept with someone for the first time after my long break that I realized... I only want to be intimate with selected humans and whenever I want to. And it doesn't have to be all the time either. For most of you, this seems like the most normal thing in the world. But for me, it was the opposite. I've experienced and explored so much that having to feel and try something new, something more exciting each time, more obscene, more kinky, had become an addiction. But my thirst to actually participate was long gone. And now I had to come to terms with the fact that this wild phase of sexual hedonism had come to an end. A new chapter of reflection and awareness had begun, which seemed so much less exciting compared to what I did before. Healthier and more wholesome, but surely less fun. But it's right and will be just as fulfilling. I know that we naturally go through different cycles and chapters in our lives. They match our age and our mindset and our personal development. You can reminisce about the past, but not forget that everything in the present is just as it's supposed to be. So I took a deep breath and I started focusing on my life mission again, which is to write and educate about sex. I now have the time to... Just sit and reflect upon what's happened within me, around me, and in the whole damn universe. A dark yet thrilling phase had come to a complete end, and I believe it was necessary to go through this experience to understand more about the topic that I'm so passionate about. It has made me have sex in a more conscious and aware way. Whoever I'm with now, I'll give all of me to. I connect. I'm happy to be close to them because it was my choice and not to survive. I have understood the importance of Tantra once again, having conscious sex, having conscious encounters in general. We so often are guided by ego and money and superficial reasons or conditioning that we create toxicity rather than meaningful connections. And with this in mind, I focused on my work as a dominatrix, 
and even did that in a mindful way. I started including Tantra into my sessions, which created this beautiful experience of power play and yoga, an intense combination. I found a way to give service to men or couples that is not just sex, but goes deeper on a psychological and energetic level. And I must say, I thoroughly enjoy this work. Having taught yoga all my life, it just adds a personal, sexual and more intimate aspect to my work. For me, personally, penetrative sex in exchange for money is not an option anymore. I can say that with confidence after understanding what it has done to my whole being. Sex work, obviously, however, still exists and always will. And there is a way or a message from me for any sex worker out there that is still doing this work that might be reliant on it or that doesn't see the negative impact it has on their psyche. And this message is for everyone, really. With awareness of oneself and the partner and every little dynamic in between, sex becomes conscious. And then it pretty much becomes tantra. I believe if sex work has this aspect of awareness, there are far less negative effects on the sex worker's mental and emotional state. We should do everything in a more conscious way. That is the teaching of yoga. But if we can take this lesson to our sex life and sexuality, it will change everyone's life and our whole society in unimaginable ways. We will cause less damage. We will have uplifting and empowering and fulfilling sex, whether money is involved or not. Us women also hold great power over men as we can give them what they need. We should use this power to make men more aware of themselves and their relationships. I believe we have the power to turn that greedy, uncontrollable urge into a spiritually elevating experience for men. This is what we women are. This is what we can do for men and by that for the whole world. We can calm them, nurture them, satisfy them, build strong connections, make them understand. But for that, we have to be aware and spiritually evolved ourselves. Sex for us should also not be driven by ego or money, but by the devotional commitment to do service to the world. Even if money is involved, the intention can still be a different one. Imagine a sex worker going into her session with the intention of making her client a better man that understands women a little better afterwards, that understands himself a little better afterwards. That's why I believe we should all practice conscious sex, explore our own minds, do yoga and tantra, and bring all of that understanding into our relationships and every sexual or not encounter May it be work or pleasure. This message is just as applicable to men, whether they are fucking their wife, a random one-night stand, their girlfriend, their other girlfriend, or a sex worker. Be aware of how you're having sex. Stay in the moment. Try to please the woman. And don't only think about your own orgasm. Also, I don't want to promote sex work. I want you to accept its role in the world. This doesn't mean I'm telling all you guys to fuck around as much as you like. No. Find the balance between controlling your urges and giving in when you need that relief.
Be respectful and caring of everyone you encounter. Fucking use condoms, for God's sake. Don't focus on escorts too much. It can become an addiction. And there's also a woman in your life that you're married to and that needs to feel loved and desired too. Do some meditation and decide after what you need and what not. The more open we can talk about sex and sex work, and for that it has to be legalized, the more everybody's experience will improve. Maybe we will even get to the point of understanding and accepting the fact that many of our husbands or partners go to sex workers every now and then, and rather than demonizing, we will work with this fact. Because it's something that we can't change. God, that requires a lot of self-work. But I'm hopeful that we are on the right path of becoming more aware and self-realized and honest with each other. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. Well, this is the end. Did we go deep or what? I hope you enjoyed it. Um, let's see what I'm going to talk about next. I won't make you wait too long, I promise. Take care. Lots of virtual love to you.